0: Hello, everyone. This is Ryan Willoughby with A Hand Up, the Habitat for Humanity podcast aimed at developing our internal leadership capacity. Today's interview is with my friend and mentor, Mr. Colin Martin. Colin serves on the board of directors for Habitat Georgia and has a wealth of leadership experience to share with us. So take some notes. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. here in the state of georgia i've had the pleasure of meeting you before at conferences and training events and stuff but would you tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe how long you have been involved uh, with habitat well sure I, I grew
1: up in columbus uh i'm uh, i'm i'm at the leading edge of the gen x generation um i'll be um, i'm approaching i can't believe i'm going to say this out loud but i'm approaching my mid-50s um but I uh, grew up in grew up in Columbus in a military family my dad was retired military my mother worked on Fort Benning thought I was going to make the military my career because that's you know that's what you do when you're from Fort Benning is you make the military your career and uh went off the University of Georgia on an ROTC scholarship um and uh met a young lady and uh, decided that I was going to make her my center of my life and not the military and so uh, that we, we went a different direction. And um, after I did a little time in the uh, US Army Field Artillery, I uh, moved to Augusta, Georgia, where I married her uh, just over 30 years ago. And um, uh, we, have, we have lived most of our life together in Columbus, though the last couple of years we have been separated because uh, my job has taken me to Fayetteville, Georgia as the president and CEO of the Fayette Chamber of Commerce. and so. We, we uh, get to see each other on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and, uh, and then I'm back up here Monday through Friday working, but um, um, 30 years, two, two daughters. One's a honest-to-goodness, real-life rocket scientist, uh, and the other one is at the University of Georgia, earning her bachelor's in social work, um, and couldn't be more proud of our daughters. Uh, they're, just, they're just great folks, and best a physician in Columbus, and a really good one, um, she has some, uh, she has some good patients, uh, a couple who, uh, Ryan, you know, pretty well.
0: <laughs> I, I do. I definitely do.
1: <laughs> and, um, so, uh, but I, I got involved in Habitat because you and I met at the steeplechase in Callaway Gardens and, uh, we started chatting and I had some opinions I share with you about nonprofit boards and, and leadership in the nonprofit space. And, um, you know, what happens when you start, uh, talking uh too much people said well you know why don't you come over here and come to work and quit talking and that's what you did you uh you got me onto the board and uh it really has been a joy um working with the habitat board and uh you know it's it's um it's a great organization and uh you know our local affiliates do just such a fantastic
0: job that um it's it's just it's just a pleasure to be here it's a pleasure to have you and i I think it's fair uh, to let the listeners know as well that it wasn't just the things you said; it was the fact that you were wearing your Georgia swag.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, that's true.
0: <laughs> and, and and I walked with you over to to Beth's red uh the red Mustang, and it had right. the Georgia logo on. And I was like, I was like, these these are good people. These are the sort of people. <laughs> <for me." laughs> that's right.
1: That's exactly right. Um, yeah, you know, um, the rocket scientist, our older daughter, she went to Georgia Tech. We we call her the black sheep of the family. So, <laughs>
0: um, yeah, but, so uh,
1: not often the rocket practice would be. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, we're kind of proud of her, you know, kind of proud. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but, uh, but you know, it's, um, uh, I've done a lot of work in the nonprofit uh, area. I mean, I mean, I've, I work for a nonprofit though. It's not a 501 C three, it's a 501 C six, but you know, I've, I uh, chaired, um, Columbus NeighborWorks, which is where you got your start in the housing uh, space, uh, working there. I I was chairman of the board there, Uh, served on that board for many years. And then of course I was uh, president of the Boy Scouts, which is the volunteer position. It was, um, it's it's, uh, uh, about the head volunteer position for the council as council president. Um, And I served on the United Way board and just just got to have a lot of experience. And so, you know, uh, I had not served on a board that was uh, covered the entire state before and so uh, when you and I talked about uh, you know maybe I could join the board that was really intriguing to me to be able to say okay this is going to be an interesting experience because obviously we know that um, the the housing needs in uh, Atlanta are much different than the housing needs in Bainbridge or at least the, the approach to it you know but but in the end it's it's much the same I mean you know you're trying to provide Housing for people uh, who need it, and um, um, so it's it. That's been a learning experience about trying to cover a, a statewide organization, uh, once one that's having a statewide impact. And of course, um, I've, I've been involved in politics a lot, so um, you know we've gotten to uh, do a little bit of the legislature and working with our our state legislators and the governor's office over the my tenure on the board and as chair, and that's been. That's been uh, interesting, and uh, you know, taking a skill set I have, kind of professionally, and applying it uh, in in the nonprofit world has been has been an interesting uh, experience. So, um, I just I, I love being on this board, and I, I love the work that's happening out there across the state.
0: Well, you know, you you kind of sort of answered uh, what was the next question. I was hoping you'd, you'd share with our listeners. Kind of, you you have done a lot for us over the last several years in a lot of different spheres. What 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 would you say has been the most rewarding part of your experience with Habitat, at least thus far?
1: Um, you know, I, I think um, working with other board members and and bringing on uh, some new board members, um, uh, some folks with some experience outside of Habitat, um, that has been um, that has been very good because I think it's been helpful to you uh, and hopefully to our local affiliates and having that. Um, uh, outside uh, experience and outside perspective, and uh, you know we've got some really great people on the board, and so and so finding those people, talking to them, getting to join the board, and, and then learning from them from their perspective has just been has really been uh, fantastic. And um, uh, you know when you hear also, I mean obviously when we hear the successes that some of our local affiliates, affiliates had and, and, um, in, in impacting housing in their community. And then, and then Ryan, some of the things you've been able to do working with the Department of Community Affairs, and through grants and everything, we see this happen. and We know we can make a difference. I mean, you know, that's that's uh, that's the Lord's work right there. You know, I mean, that, that's that's um, um, that's that's really important work. So that's been that's been very rewarding. Um, I, I would have to say that's probably it.
0: Well, the kind of opposite of that. I mean, um, you know, we I, I think. During your tenure it has been relatively positive at least i hope it has been um but of course you know we always do see some things and have some some tough conversations during board members or board meetings about uh you know some things that, that have happened in habitat land what, what's been maybe the most disappointing experience well
1: so i have to say anytime we we lose an affiliate or we have to close an affiliate or um or an affiliate you know is on the rock somehow that's that's just that's heart wrenching because. You know, particularly if an affiliate closes, you're you're not serving the people in that area anymore, or you're making it more difficult to serve the people in that area. And um, uh, that, to me, is is the, the the tough conversations we have to have is is when, when we find out that an affiliate just can't make it anymore. And gosh, that just it breaks my heart, you know, um, because because Absolutely. I know that prior to that. You know, there's there's been a lot of hard work. There's been some heart for service. I mean, this this wasn't just a a whim or an idea that just went away quickly. I mean, I mean, there's some history there we're losing, and and one closes, it's just man, it's just it's just tough. Um, and and uh, you know, we balance that we've got some very successful affiliates out there who are doing a a bang up job. Uh, you know, and and so that that's kind of the counterbalance to it, but. But when I think about, you know, an area won't be served uh, anymore uh, by habitat, that's just that's just tough. And I think long term, um, we've got to figure out as a state board, and and I would challenge uh, Habitat for Humanity International to let's figure out a way to 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 minimize that from happening. And I don't I don't know how to do that. I mean, you know, I've got some crazy ideas, but you know, maybe I don't know everything. But but I'd like to see us uh, figure out a way to to Maybe
0: prevent that from happening, or at least mitigate it if it does happen. Yeah, absolutely. That that's. I have to admit, that's probably the hardest part of my job as well. As I, I hate to think about these areas where we're not providing service, and and especially maybe to look back on things in retrospect and say, "Wow, well, maybe if we had addressed this sooner, or maybe if we had, you know, done a kind of a preemptive strike, we might have prevented this." And that kind of you know, you and I just in our, our personal conversations, we've talked a lot about leadership and, and particularly when it pertains to affiliates that close because you find that typically if they're closing, it's not because there was a lack of money or lack of land or a lack of need or, you know, oh, when, when now we fulfilled the mission here. And so we're closing down that, that you know, typically there's some sort of maybe if you call it a void in leadership somewhere um, there to be able to keep the ball rolling. Um so, what, what would you say about the critical skill sets, maybe, that to, to be an effective leader, to have at, that, at least that you've seen through your experience?
1: Well, uh, you know, I've, I've had a bit of a revelation lately on that subject. I, I, John Maxwell, you know, his famous quote is everything rises and falls on leadership, and and I, I had a um, a revelation not too long ago that that really that's that's not true. Uh, well, I won't say it's not true, but I think there's a bigger truth, and I think it does apply in these situations. Everything rises and falls on ownership, um, and and if people uh, own the problem and and own the solution, you know, then the leadership is going to uh, uh, come from that. But um, uh, you can be, you know, you can be a great leader. Been through, uh, you know, in my opinion, the greatest leadership program in the in the world, the United States military. Uh, and you can come out, but if you don't own that problem, whatever it is, and in our case, we like to think about housing and 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 serving those who who need housing. If you don't own that problem, you're not going to show, show any leadership. And so uh, uh, i have I have over the last I don't know several months kind of taken a different attitude that that ownership of the problem and ownership of the solution is actually even more important than leadership but, but once you're in, I mean, I, you talk about the critical skills for a leader in habitat. I mean, obviously first, um, you know, uh, we're, we're, a, an organization that, that depends on the kindness of strangers, both for their, their time and their talent right. and their treasure, uh, for all three. And so you, you know, uh, you've got to learn both as a volunteer and I would say as an executive director or any staff member at a habitat affiliate, you've got to learn how to manage volunteers. Um, you know, uh, people who have a limited time and, um, and probably limited funding, but you know, how, do you, how do you enhance that to get the mission done? Um, you've also got to be able to communicate the problem in a way that people uh, grasp. I mean, you know, um, you know, you can look at, at lack of housing from a very uh, academic and clinical perspective, and sure, that's very interesting, and, uh, but it may not move me to go act. But if you tell me a story, and and you make it real for me and you show that there's a family that is in crisis uh because they lack housing all of a sudden now you have my attention i want to go do something about it so communication is an important skill um and you know in habitat land and well really in chamber world um you've got to know how to raise money Um, you know uh, we uh, i've got a friend who always talks about he says you know a train runs on coal but a nonprofit runs on gold uh you know we, we we've we've got a we got to stoke the fire so you say get, you get you got to raise some money um and and you got to know how to manage that money once you get it in because uh, it is a precious resource and those are probably a few there's probably a million other skills that i'm not thinking of but those are the ones that come top to my mind.
0: now yeah, those, those are all so great i mean and i especially love what you said there about everything rising and falling with ownership that's such a such a wonderful Idea. I I really want to kind of meditate on that for for a while because I think that's a really profound thought. I I, I'd be curious to know. You know, mentioning the skill sets that you've seen. I mean, everything that you've seen is very, or you just explained is very mission-driven, right? We've got to raise the money. We've got to communicate. We've got to, you know, manage the volunteers. What What do you see as as a leader? You know, it's so easy to get sidetracked from that to start doing the the non-mission stuff that we end up having to do day to day so what, what do you see as like the sort of things that are most commonly causing leaders whether it be in chamber or habitat or any other uh, field to get sidetracked from their primary role
1: yeah i mean sometimes look uh, hey we all got sidetracked here back in march right i mean uh none of us were expecting to absolutely the pandemic uh and sometimes you know those are the big things that are beyond our control and you kind of have to react to those, but I'd say on a day-to-day basis, oftentimes, you know, it's, uh, it's the, it's the uh, uh, unimportant but um, urgent things, you know, that Stephen Covey, uh, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People used a chart that uh, General, later President Eisenhower used where, you know, he had quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four, quad one was urgent and important. Quad two was uh, important, but not urgent three was, uh, uh, urgent, but not important. And four was neither urgent nor important. And, and, you know, his point was if you spend more time on important, but not urgent things, then you shrink the size of the urgent and important things. And it's easy for us to get sidetracked by either things that seem urgent and, and maybe are important because we've been neglecting them or we get sidetracked by things that seem urgent, uh, but aren't that important. And, um, uh, you know, uh, look, I I get phone calls and and I know that's happened to you. It happened to everybody. You know, you're trying to diligently work on something and a phone call comes and somebody uh, wants to make their problem your problem, you know, and uh, uh, it sounds like things are really bad. And then when you think about it, it's like, hold on, this this isn't my problem. This is your problem. You want me to solve your problem. Um, uh, What was I saw one time? Uh, Your sense of urgency does not uh, trump my sense of mission. Um, So, you know, I, I think, um again it's that sense of ownership I like that that uh, uh, if you mm. if you own the problem and you own the solution um, then you're less likely to get sidetracked um, but it, look it's gonna happen to all of us mm. uh, whether we uh, whether we right. whether we like it or not it's um, sometimes it's how fast we can get off the sidetrack and get back on the main line that uh, that the our
0: success Wow that's. Um... That's fantastic. Another, that's uh, another axiom you've given me to <laughs> to, to think about uh, this morning. And I would like to go into something that you you mentioned just a minute ago. And I, I hate for our listeners. The last several podcasts we've recorded over the last several months, of course, we had to touch on, you know, the 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 c word, COVID. And uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned that that was a, a major sidetrack for everybody. That was, that was just a huge loop that nobody could have predicted. And so I'm, I'm curious to know just your thoughts, maybe not even just expressly around COVID, but admittedly with this uh, pandemic coming in and the inevitable challenges that's going to present over the next several months, several years, you know, what, what are your thoughts about Habitat and the, the challenges that we're going to face? I mean, uh, the ones that we've got now, uh, ones that maybe are coming down the track that we haven't yet seen, um, and where do you see us um, rallying together and addressing those challenges?
1: Well, let's talk about so so we'll talk about the challenges. We'll talk about the opportunities first. Um, I mean, I think that you know Great. it's easy to talk about the challenges, but we got to talk about the opportunities. Um, look, when we got the order in Georgia and across the the country to shelter in place, you know, if you don't have a home, you can't shelter in a place, right? Um, and and uh, and if you have a home that's falling down around you, it's tough to shelter in place. Um, so I think we have an opportunity here to send out our message that if, um, you know, people are going to, uh, uh, be safe, uh, in times like this, they need a, they need a safe, affordable, solid place to live. So, I mean, I think there's an opportunity here for us to spread our message and people are going to get it. Now, the challenge, you know, (laughs) is going to be obviously on the fundraising end, um, as we see corporations and individuals, um, not have the income they once had the revenue they once had, they're going to cut back in their giving. So, you know, you got to double down your efforts to, to go raise money. Um, uh, fortunately, you know uh, construction can be done at least unless something's changed. that I'm not aware of construction can be done right now because you're outside yeah. primarily. Um, so we do have the ability to do that. Um, and, and I think one of the challenges that we have got to, uh, figure out. Look, it's not just habitat. It's it's every organization out there. Is how do we cut through the clutter uh, of of information, disinformation, fake news, whatever you want to call it, um, and have people see our message um, and 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 act on our message. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, we have a great mission. Unfortunately, sometimes it can't be, you know, reduced down to a tweet. And, um, and, and so we've got to figure right. out a way to communicate that. And that, look, that's an ongoing challenge. I mean, it just seems like a, a, a bigger challenge right now, but, but, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to figure out a way to, to, to communicate our message during this time. And there's just a lot of other noise out there that we've got to cut through to get our message out. Um, but, I, but I think we've got that opportunity right now to be able to say, um, housing is still critically important. That, that's never going to go away. Um, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, some, there's some things that are probably going to change for all of us uh, going forward. I, you know, I, I can foresee a time where we're going to have more people working from home. We're going to have more um, uh, short uh, commutes uh, come, come to pass uh, where people won't be able to ride to work or you know, not get on a subway. Uh, there's going to be some technology investment across the state, so there's broadband everywhere. I think those are some good things, but all of that is dependent on families living in homes, and that is at the heart of our mission. And so um, I, I just, I, the, the challenges
0: are there, but the opportunities are there too. Uh, I, I'm really encouraged to hear you say that because that that is exactly what Donna and I, internally we're talking about when this when this all first hit because you're, you're just hearing, to use your term, you're hearing so much noise and there was so much information going on and it just seemed like an overwhelming, exhausting situation. And, and in a lot of respects to, to today, uh, you know, six months almost into this, it still feels that way. But the one thing she and I made it a point and we, we worked very diligently on this together is to make sure that. We do this not from the perspective of all of the challenges that you now have to face. You know, all of the, oh goodness, all this I got to deal with, but really the opportunity. How do you, where can you grow here? Where can you benefit, where can you steer the mission here? And I, and I love the point that you made, you know, in, in a sense, as we're all talking about this pandemic, we're, we're using, we're, we're talking about Habitat because they keep saying shelter in place, shelter in place, shelter. Well, how are you going to do that without shelter? I mean, it seems to me it's a perfect opportunity for us to come in and leverage our mission and leverage our experience and say, Hey, look, you're trying to get people to stay safe, but the number one thing they need, they need a safe, decent place to live. So I appreciate you you know, bringing in just that, that point. I think you made a very salient point that we just cannot stress enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, uh, particularly, particularly an organization like Habitat for Humanity, um, this, this is, there's some challenges, but this is an opportunity, and, and, and if we, if we miss this, shame on us, because it's right there in front of us.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and I'll be honest with you, from what I've seen from our affiliates across the state, and, and even from our, uh, you know, our parent organization, Habitat International, I think we are, doing everything that we can to try and, and, and you made such a good point. I mean, what we do can't be easily brought into 120 characters for a tweet, but, yeah, um, right. I'm, you know, I'm I'm seeing a lot of our affiliates really working with those, those corporations you said that maybe are not, and donors that maybe don't have the sort of disposable income they used to, but explaining to them, Hey, we are still important. In fact, we are more important now than we were before this. So, That's exactly right. um,
1: exactly right
0: so just shifting gears a little bit here you know you mentioned that you were the president and ceo of the fayette county chamber um i'm just going to do it's kind of a generic question but i think it's a good one what what do you think is the easiest part of your job right now what's the easiest part of your job at the chamber well
1: you know look i'll say two things number one uh i have a great staff that uh that that comes to work every day and and is just always motivated to be here and Want to do good things in our community um, you know they're they're smart they're uh, they keep me on my toes um, and uh, the good things that that our chamber's been able to do uh, is, is just a reflection of of their dedication uh, to the chamber and to the job um, so uh, I'm very blessed and fortunate in that regard to work with just some outstanding people um, uh, the the other part that I'd say that that's kind of the inward facing easy part of the job the outward facing easy part of the job is. I mean, I think Fayette County is a great community to live, work, and play. And so for me to go out there and sell that to a broader uh, area is not that difficult. Um, You know, I I, uh, was quoted in Georgia Trend Magazine a couple months ago about, you know, uh, no matter what lifestyle you're looking for, we've probably got a place for you. Um, We've got rural areas uh, in the south part of the county uh, like Brooks and, and Woolsey. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want 10 acres and a long driveway, <laughs> you know, you got it down there I and mean, that, that exists. Correct. Um, if you want a suburban lifestyle, uh, Peachtree city, you know, the uh, original, and, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to get them to maybe think about changing their branding. They're the original green city because, you know, they've had electric vehicles going back to the sixties. They just call them golf carts and, uh, <laughs> right. you, you can get, you can get anywhere in Peachtree city pretty much on your golf cart it was designed that way with golf cart paths. Uh, and then, you know, now you've right. got uh, Pinewood forest coming out of the ground, uh, near the studios and, you know, they're, they're, they're building a town from scratch a town for creative people from scratch. And, uh, it's one of the coolest neighborhoods I'd say anywhere, but certainly in Georgia, um, you know, so, uh, and that's, that's, that, you know, it's a very dense, walkable, bikeable area. And, um, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of great things here. People are wonderful. Um, so that's that's the other easy part of my job is is selling
0: Fayette County. That's awesome. So, you know, and and you, you I'll tell you, when when you and I did lunch up there about a, about a year ago and you took me to Pinewood Forest and all, you, you, you sold it pretty well, too. Like you said, you didn't have to do too hard of a selling job. It's a, <sighs> it's a great place. That uh, no, was you, you. You need to come.
1: You need to come visit again and see it now because it looks nothing oh, yeah. like it looked uh, uh, when, when you came last time. They've really had an explosion of building, and uh, they took wow. advantage of the pandemic uh, to to get a lot wow. done. And um, so uh, come come visit again, Ryan. And we'll we'll go out there and see uh, see what it looks like. Wow. I think you'll be surprised, pleasantly surprised.
0: I'd love to do that, and and I would encourage, I'll tell you, after you and I went and saw that, I've actually encouraged a lot of people just across the state to travel to Fayette County and go to see Pinewood Studios, go and see Pinewood, just see, you know, you mentioned it's one of the coolest places around in the state of Georgia, and I agree, probably anywhere, I I, I think it's encouraging for folks to go and see that and see, wow, what's happening in our state, because there are some really exciting things going on, and
1: And, and if you've watched yeah. a Marvel movie, uh, you've you've watched a little bit of Fayette County because all those Marvel movies—I I don't know that all of them, but a majority of them—were made right here at Pinewood Studios, uh, Pinewood Atlanta Studios in Fayette County, in Fayetteville, Georgia. Absolutely.
0: So. Um, yeah. Just... You know, we're just a little bit proud of that around here. Yeah, <laughs> you should be. You should be. Um, so let's let's you know sticking with our theme of going to opposites here. Let's, let's, so we talked about the easy part of your job. What's the hard part? Where's it, where does that come in? Uh, you
1: know, answers. first of all, uh, you know, just like uh, uh, Habitat affiliates live off the kindness of strangers, we live off the kindness of strangers too. Um, uh, we depend on, uh, you know, um, sponsorship dollars, uh, dues, revenue, uh, and then we get our work done through volunteers. So, you know, every day it's a challenge. And particularly right now, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm worried about it just like everybody else is. Um, sure. The, the, I'll I tell you, um, I mentioned uh, my wife's a physician and she now works for uh, Piedmont in Columbus. Um, but for many years, she was, uh, owned her own practice. And, and for the first few years, um, I did all the kind of the management of it and ran the the bookkeeping of it. And I remember the second time I made payroll, I was sitting there thinking that uh, previously, and we've been married, I guess. Let me think about about uh, thirteen or fourteen years at that point, and and I was thinking about the fact that for the last, you know, thirteen years or so, all I had to worry about was making my own rent and mortgage, uh, and here I was right. now I had all these employees who were dependent on me for me to bring the money in so they could make their mortgage, right? And so that uh, feeling yeah. is. That feeling has not gone away here. We have a staff of uh, five or six. I guess I guess we have a staff of five, uh, ex- excluding me. And, and I think about that. I mean, they're depending on that every two weeks that check hits their account because uh, they've got bills right. to pay. And so you know, I mean, that that's um, that's what keeps me up at night. Um, and and you know, the other thing is, um, uh, chambers of commerce are you know trying to make sure we. I think we still are very relevant, but we've got to do a better job of communicating how relevant we are um, in what we're doing. Um, I mean, it's, it's easy for me as somebody who's neck deep in this and loves it every day and, and can't wait to get to work every morning to talk about the difference we made. But, I, you know, we've got to figure out a way to communicate that to a broad office, a broad audience, excuse me. And, um, uh, you know, so, so those are the two things that are the hardest part of my job. Uh, making sure we have the funding we need to carry out the mission, and then finding a way to communicate our mission so we remain relevant uh, in today's world.
0: That's a um, that's a powerful thing to hear you say. I, and I, it's it's just very interesting because in our conversations that Don and I often have with affiliate leaders, it's you know those two things, right? It's keeping the train running on gold. Uh, yeah. Of course, bringing in the money. And then, you know, managing the people, right? because we care so much about these people. and of course, as you hire them and work with them, you you know they to a certain extent uh, they become more than just coworkers, you know, at least they become friends. I, I'm curious to know that you know because that can be such a when we talk to our habitat leaders, that can be such a burden that they carry, um, that responsibility of I've got to make this work because there are people here that I care about that are depending on me. And I see so oftentimes that if they carry that burden for too long uh, by themselves, they really do suffer from inevitable burnout, exhaustion, uh, just you know stress, anxiety. So what, what do you do and, and what do you suggest as hard leaders uh, go that when you're in a tense situation and you're having to care for these people and maybe the money isn't rolling in as well or as quickly as you'd like, you know, and you still want to take care of people how, how do you prevent that kind of mental and emotional exhaustion from taking place
1: well you know it's it's maybe a little more acute right now but even in the good times it never goes away um but uh yeah, yeah I, so i mean for me it's a couple of things number one um i try and exercise uh, uh 30, 30 to 45 minutes at least four if not five days a week um um you know, I, I think I'm just uh, this week of uh, hired a personal trainer so that uh, I can do a better job and be more effective in my time exercising. I was uh, one of my army buddies uh, and I were talking about this the other day. And, you know, he was saying the world looks different when you're in the front leaning rest position, which is the push-up position. And um, uh, <laughs> but, but certainly um, I, I think physical exercise and and you know, getting your body moving and, and burning off the, uh, the stress hormones that way is, is a critical part of it. And, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the other thing, I mean, I, I'm in grad school and so that's a, a distraction set to a certain degree. It focuses my mind somewhere else. Occasionally I have to be very focused on that when I'm doing it. And so therefore I have to take my mind off of work. Um, and, and it can be, a little bit of a refreshing time to just not have to, to think about it. And, uh, and then, you know, um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of sweet on my wife and um, you know, we, again, we've been married 30 years. So spending time with her and just uh, uh, just being with her is very comforting to me. And so those, those are probably the three ways that I, I deal with the stress and, uh, and I'm trying to avoid the burnout.
0: I, I love hearing that. I, it, just as a sidebar I think it's very interesting how much your answers to that question parallel with the other leaders uh, who I've spoken with and I'm speaking specifically um the one that came to my mind was Tim Bauckham the president of Shaw Industries you, everything you just said is the exact same thing that he said to answer that question it's exercising and you know finding things that you love and can focus on but especially that importance of spending time with family. He really, yeah. really hit on that. I know that's big for you, Yeah, it is for your wife it and is. your daughters. Yeah, it is. So, so how about, you know, if, if that's how we prevent the burnout of the leaders, what, what about for, for our employees, for, for our volunteers, for others? How, how do you keep those folks motivated, inspired? How do you keep them committed to the mission?
1: Well, I'll say this about our volunteers, and I think this is true um, uh, not only in Habitat but other organizations that depend on volunteers. We are their method of stress management, right? I mean, um, you know, you take somebody who, you know, beats their head against the wall in the corporate world, and and we say, hey, come volunteer at Habitat for Humanity, and they and they can come to us uh, and, and invest their their time, talent, and treasure into a a project, uh, or, or whatever that, um, uh, gives them a sense of accomplishment. So I think we have to remember that we, we are, I mean, for our volunteers, we are the stress relief to a certain degree. We are that right. non work sense of accomplishment. Um, so, uh, but as far as our employees go, I mean, I think we have to, we have to encourage them, you know, uh, I remember, uh, I heard a speaker one time, he said, uh, work eight hours and sleep eight hours, just make sure they're not the same eight hours. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, we've got to encourage them, Hey, while you're here work, but, uh, but then, you know, when you're not here and you're not working, you know, go, go exercise, go spend time with family, go read a book, do, do something to get the, your mind off the stress here. I mean, model that behavior, but then also encourage that behavior. I, I remember during the pandemic that we were for the month of April, uh, we were working from home. And um, one of the things I talked to my staff about, I said, look, you need to find one place in your house and that is your workplace. And when you're at work, you're in that place. And when work is over, you leave that place and you don't go back to that place. And, and you know, in the case of a couple of my employees, they have apartments and so, you know, I said just one end of the kitchen table is work and the other one's where you eat, but then, you know, don't don't go work in bed, don't go work on the mm-hmm. couch. Only work in that spot so that you, when you're not in that spot, I'm not, you can say, I'm not at work, right? Right. Um, because, uh, you know, I heard and I'm sure you heard news reports about people literally working every waking hour because it was – that's all they were doing at their house, you know? Restaurants were closed. Right. Gyms were closed. You couldn't do anything else. The computer's there. Why not just work? Uh, so I encourage my folks to to pick a spot in the house. Say that's my work spot. Stay there from eight to five. You know, except for maybe run the bathroom or whatever. But but then don't go back to that spot after five, and don't take your work to any other place in the house. Um, and and I think a couple of them did do that. I can't say all the I didn't go inspect, but um, but I got some positive yeah, sure. feedback from from some other folks. And um,
0: uh,
1: but employee burnout in the nonprofit world is a real thing. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Because the people who are attracted to the line of work, whether it's in the Chamber of Commerce or or Habitat or Boy Scouts or whatever, they're mission-driven people, right? They're they're not doing this for the money; okay. they're doing it for the mission. And um, and so it's it's easy when you're so mission-driven to get to get hung up in it. So you got to you got to give them outlets to to or uh, make make sure they have they have outlets to go uh, burn off the stress.
0: That's awesome. It's awesome. Um, so it kind of it, it following in this line of thinking, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you're in grad school. So may, I don't know if that's going to be part of your answer to this question or not, but I'm curious to know, what are the sort of practices that you've adopted as a leader to make yourself better, but both on a professional level and a personal level? The things that you're doing, the, the practices, uh, I don't know if it's go to the gym or whatever, every day that's like, you know, the, the Colin Martin of today is 10% better than the Colin Martin of yesterday. What, what are the things that, that you do?
1: Uh, I'm just, I'm just going for at least 1% better, not even 10, just 1% better. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, sure. Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think leaders have to be learners. Um, you know, you have to constantly uh, challenge yourself um, and, and be a learner. I mean, certainly um, at this point in my career, um, I mean a, a master's degree is not gonna you know get me promoted to the next job., uh, so this is purely for the for the joy of learning and and, and pushing myself. Um, uh, I'm getting a degree in government, which you know uh, even even though I uh, have a pretty good understanding of of um, how how a bill becomes a law, uh, I have learned some new things this semester in uh, my introduction to public policy class. Uh, because, you know, they start t- talking about from the theoretical point of view uh, outside. Of right. Uh, Ryan, I, I know you'll at least appreciate this and, and probably people who are closer between your age and my age will appreciate this. We were doing a presentation yeah. to the class and I made sure we included um, the uh, schoolhouse rock version of I'm just a bill <laughs> stuck on Capitol Hill. And, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I told That's immediately I told, what I thought of. <laughs> right. I. I, uh, I told my classmates, I said, if you want to know why I got into politics, it's cause I watched this kid I said, that sounds pretty cool. I think that's what I want to do. That's right. um, oh, that's so, awesome. um, but, but yeah, so constantly learning. Uh, I mean, if, 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 even in my car, uh, I'm, I've usually got a podcast in, um, you know, uh, Michael Hyatt, um, or, um, uh, the Covey leadership, uh, uh, they do put one out, um, Darren uh, Hardy, I mean, I'm always just looking for just some little edge, some little idea to help maybe do my Mm -hmm. job just a a little bit better. Um, And then, you know, one of the things that I I try and do, and this is very tough, is I have a board, much like you do, I have a board of directors and I have to, um, it's, it's easy for me with the role of, with the title president and CEO, that just sounds so impressive to think that I've gotta be the one that has all the answers. And, and I've gotta humble myself mm-hmm. to realize I not only do I not have all the answers, sometimes I don't even know the questions to ask. And so, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, getting that group of people and, you know, constantly being evaluated by them. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but just having their input is critically important. Um, right. So, you know, that's, that's another part of it too, is, is, is humility. Um. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna fail without humility, right? I mean, it's um, right. That that's the that's the first step to failure is is losing humility. So um, mm. that that's important to me too. So yeah, learning uh, humility, those are important. Wow,
0: that's awesome. Um, that is really really great to hear. I, I think that's. So everything you just mentioned right there is so practical, and especially just nowadays and what we're going through, it's so easy to lose sight of both of those things <laughs> very, very easily. That's, um, you know, even for me, I'm, I'm really going to meditate on that. Um, so last question I'd like to ask to you here, uh, kind of going along with this is, you know, right now, President and CEO of Fayette County Chamber of Commerce, uh, what are, do you have any additional professional goals, personal goals that you're looking to accomplish either in the short or long term and and how do you plan on, on doing so
1: well i mean you know going back to grad school uh that was a long-term goal of mine um and I, right you know i wanted to do it back when i graduated but you know beth and i got married and you know getting her educated was a little more important obviously she's a physician and then you know when she got right. her education it was time to have kids and you know, and then um, uh, you know what I tell people is, is when I first graduated, I had time, but I had no money. Uh, and then right. when when we kind of got going in our career, um, we had kids, so we had we now had some money, uh, but we had no time. And so finally, right. you know, the kids are kids are grown and gone, and I've got the time and the money to do this. So so one of my you know I'd say near to long term professional goals is finishing this master's degree. Uh, again, it's just for my own personal sense of accomplishment. Um, you sure. know, uh, I don't know where my career will take me. I mean, certainly, uh, I I love Fayette County, and I can see staying here uh, for for the duration. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting to that age where I got to think about I'm gonna I'm, you know I'm gonna be running the clock out here pretty soon. Um, okay. But uh, but you know um, uh, maybe I don't know maybe there's an opportunity to run another chamber a little bigger chamber sometime uh, you don't always know particularly in the bigger cities those chamber presidents tend to land and stay a long time and then when there is a vacancy there's there's big competition for them but but I could stay here it's kind of fun you know I'm in Atlanta without being in Atlanta um, right and you know I'm uh, I'm always just looking for uh, more ways to, to serve um, and then you know one thing we haven't we haven't talked about that I'm in the last, particularly a couple of years ago, in, in the last couple of years, I've really focused on my faith journey, and that has been a, um, mm. that's, that's been a growing um, thing for me. I mean, I've, I've, I've always been a, a Christian, and I've always been, um, uh, tried to be a, a good Christian, though, I mean, you know, I, obviously, like everyone else, sometimes I'm better at it than other times, um, but, uh, but the last couple of years, um, it's really been, I've, I've realized, you know, I, I haven't grown in that area and I need to. So that's been a focus area for me as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's a, that's such a critical one. Um, especially in relation to the things that we've been talking about. So that's uh, right. That's right. Well, well, just if I can, I mean, is there anything else that you might want to share with our listeners? I mean, we've, We've covered a lot here and I think it's been really excellent. and going to be very helpful for our folks. I'm, I'm just curious, is there anything else that you might well, want to say?
1: I, yeah, I'll just say this and, I, and I'm going to speak to the folks who work for Habitat for Humanity, you know, in the affiliates, you know, wherever you are in Georgia or wherever, I, I'll say this, um, you know, this really, it's the Lord's work you're doing. Uh, uh, it's easy to get, Uh, caught up in in the thick of thin things you know and and, um, you know you worry about the money coming in and you worry about um, all you know how this pandemic's going to affect everything but but really and truly the work our affiliates do and the people in those affiliates the work they do critically important and um, um, you know yeah it's easy to get burned out and if you need to take a step away to refresh yourself do that but um, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's a mission, uh, it's the Lord's work. And, and I just, I appreciate what everyone out there is doing every day. Um, and, and I just, I just want to encourage you. I just really want to encourage you where you are. And if we can do something to help, um, I, I, I can, I know I speak for Ryan. He will do everything he can to help you. And, and I know I speak to the board when I say, we're going to do everything we can to support Ryan and helping you. So that, that, I think that's my final message.